Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep. In-store or online at mattressfirm.com today. Shit. You know, this podcast may ex- contain explicit material. <laughs> Shit. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> I, uh... I ran here. Well, I didn't run. I walked briskly uh, because of a scheduling mix-up. And, and my guest, Kazueta, has been waiting here for uh, patiently for probably two or three hours now. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Maybe four or five. I don't know. A long time. I lost count. Um, this is the Let's Go Eat show, and uh, we're... Once again, coming to you from the Daily in downtown Salt Lake, 222 South Main. Uh, it's in the big, uh, in the big banking building. The Gold, why can't I ever think of Goldman Sachs? Dick, Dick goes Goldman Sachs, Bill. Every time, <laughs> Goldman Sachs. Who could forget Goldman Sachs? Well, you know, I've tried to forget them because yeah. Goldman Sachs, the last owner of our radio station, uh, got in bed with Goldman Sachs and never got out. Hmm. Goldman Sachs finally just said. Okay, yeah, you know, we're done. It was hmm. not pretty. At any rate, hi, it's the Let's Go Eat Show, and uh, my guest is, as I said, Kaz Weta. And, you know, I wanted to do this because I've met you now. This is probably the fifth time we've been. Yeah. And I don't have any idea who you are. <laughs> I think most of the world shares that. <laughs> I, Perception. My, Who is she? Well, no, but I mean, so, so I first, you first came onto my radar because uh, uh, Chris Van Oker uh, said, uh, "I have this. There's this, uh, somebody's going to be on the Van Oker group. Her name is Kaz Wade. You know Kaz, don't you?" And I said, "No, I don't." <laughs> Now, when I mentioned your name to some other people, they said, oh, yeah, Kazueta, I know who that is. But you just had not, for some, yeah, had not appeared on my screens somehow. And so uh, I, I met you recording the Van Oka Group, and I thought, hmm, it's an intriguing, interesting person. And then, again, and, and, uh, and then I looked you up a little bit, and I went, oh, this is... This is this is interesting. I but I still, I as I as I look at your presence online, yeah, I try to figure out where you are and what you do exactly. It's it, a mystery. Every day I ask myself the same question. So you, it's a good you, question. But whatever it is you do, <laughs> you 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 seem to be able to support yourself doing it. Yeah, at this point. Yeah, yeah uh, well, but that's incredible because you are essentially a self-employed person. Yeah, for what it's worth these days. I mean, yes, I am the flagship member of the gig economy. <laughs> you are you are the Casueta Incorporated, <laughs> and so I look online and I say, and I you know now I have a, a Twitter. Uh, that's the only thing I do much with socially mm-hmm. is Twitter, yeah. and I and I look at it and I go, oh, I got about. 11,000 followers which is you know which means there are probably 200 active ones sure really 
Uh, I mean, if that. Yeah. Uh, and then I look at you. You have seventy-one. <laughs> what? How many? Seventy-five. Yeah, it, it's seventy-one, almost seventy-two yeah. thousand. And I and I and I think. What? So how? What do all these people know that I don't know? That I hang out on Twitter a lot. <laughs> so is that is that the key? The the I just have to hang out more. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also that. Um, you know, I I joined Twitter um, after Trump was elected. I actually been on Twitter that long, mm-hmm. uh, and I realized pretty quickly uh, when I became part of Rant and we all started sort of working together and creating content together. I realized pretty quickly that Twitter was a good platform for journalists specifically mm-hmm. to market and to amplify um, their content. And so I just dug in and and figured out the more I tweeted the more volume I sort of got and, and started to try to create a following. It took a couple of years. I mean, that doesn't happen overnight. Uh, but you so. set out with it in your mind, I mean, so I'm going to create a following for myself on I, Twitter. I think I think of it less as a following and more as a community. I want my space to be a community. I have a little corner of the Twitterverse. I am um, associated with a couple of other accounts that you know I message mm-hmm. with and, and chat with, and we amplify certain kinds of content and tweets. And I try to keep my space clean. So I you're, do. You're way more savvy about this than I am. I, I do filter people out. I do block people um, if I find that the discourse is not constructive. Well, let's. Okay, so let's go back to something you said. I got together with Rant. Mm hmm. So I think you need to explain what that is. Uh, well, we owe this to Jason Chavitz. Really? That's where really? this all came from? This all happened because of Jason Chaffetz. I exist because Jason Chaffetz is oh, an asshole. Please, please don't. Well, <laughs> yes, he is an asshole, but please don't. Have you heard the story about the first time I ever met Jason Chaffetz? I have not heard this story. He was running for Congress the very first time. We didn't know who he was. And we had this sort of open door policy, and we, I mean the Radio From Hell show, said anybody running for any office, we don't care. You oh, can come in. Oh, dear. You can come in, and we'll, we'll put you on the, on the radio for a mm. second and let... And le- and it doesn't matter what office you're running for. It could be local council. It could be, you know, uh, a na- a neighborhood association, whatever. We don't care. We'll give you a couple minutes to say your name and what you believe in and that. And he came in. Hmm. And uh, I, 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 between that t- the time that he said he was coming in and actually coming in, I did a little research and looked up and see, saw who he was. And the first thing I said to him is I, I stuck out my hand and I said, hi, nice to meet you. And he said, likewise. And I said, you scare me. <laughs> and we didn't get along after that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I haven't had personal interactions with him, but I was at his famous town hall where he got booed and heckled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the one he keeps bringing up. and It's in his new book. <laughs> oh, is it? It's in his new book. He said, yeah, there were right, there were plants and right wing. Uh, oh, it's or, funny. Or left wing plants and, you know, yeah, fake news people. It's funny that he says that because I watched everyone walk home from the high school auditorium to their house, which was a block away. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were all his constituents, as was I. Um, But I uh, wrote about that and posted it. I think... I think what happened is that I posted something about it on Twitter or on Facebook, and someone from Rant caught it and asked me if I would write a little bit about it. And so I did, and then um, that 
kind of went viral a little bit, mm-hmm. not to the extent that the next piece that I did went viral, but then I wrote an open letter to the constituents, to America from the constituents of Jason Shavitz. That I, went viral. That was on HuffPost. I recently read that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it just sort of snowballed from there. But I, but I owe that to Jason, really, that <laughs> the visibility is his fault. So, exp- <laughs> so explain to people. So Rant was already in existence, it but was. explain to people what that what Rant is. Rant is. Um, and that's R A N T T. Yes, Rant is a publication. They've been around for a couple of years now. Um, they are um, a pretty small outfit, and their job. Um, as they see it is to speak truth to power so they don't they don't believe that um, media should amplify and act as a microphone they believe that everything should always be framed and in context so a lot of the pieces that they do they will wait to write something until they feel like they have all the facts and they have a perspective that makes sense and then they will produce um, articles and content surrounding that. Yeah, that's inter- that's that's interesting, and it's really uh, um, a. Um it makes me stop and think about what I do every day, and really, what I do every day is just kind of amplify. Mostly, yeah. I mean, mostly, uh, 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 I do. I mean, I guess I do really try to contextualize uh, at certain points. But but there's there's four hours every day of just mm-hmm. you're just echoing back what's happening. Yeah. And and that and that, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, it's you know people need to hear that I think, but it's but it is but putting things finding a context for it and then speaking about it that's really more important did you see that i didn't know, see i had no idea who eddie gloud is eddie gloud is that his name wasn't it uh he's a professor at princeton and he just recently he just on msnbc spoke about uh, the the shootings that just occurred mm-hmm. he's he's a he's a, a man of color and uh and studied religion, and but he's you know, and and he is brilliant, and he put things in a context which is so nuanced and and so powerful that it it made me stop and think we need to do more of that. Yeah, I mean, you saw that this week in the headlines quite a few times, where you've got people like CNN or the New York Times simply saying, "Hey, Trump said this. Trump, yeah. uh, Trump wants unity instead of blah blah blah," and that that headline exists in a vacuum because it does not include any of the years of other rhetoric that he said before this and it doesn't frame it in any sort of reality. Well, that's why you have to go go to the editorial pages and the yeah. opinion pages yeah. and things like that of any publication. Yeah. So so Rant liked what you did and uh, uh, and published you. Mm-hmm. And is that the first time you really uh, were sort of freelance journaling and... Uh, well, it's interesting. My background is in education, but when I was a little girl, I wanted to be a journalist and I wanted to be a writer. And my parents said, oh, sweetie, <laughs> that's not a real job. And I said, oh, really? And they're like, yeah, no, you can't make money that way. And to some extent, they're right. But um, that was what I really wanted to do. I went to college and I ended up, because I had to put myself through school, I ended up at a program that did not have a journalism degree. I thought it was communications and I could leverage that into maybe TV journalism, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't that kind of communications. It was speech and speech therapy. Where was this? Uh, University of New Hampshire. Okay. So 
I ended up going into English. And then after a couple of years, I thought, well, what the hell am I going to do with this? So then I um, pivoted it a little bit to English education. And I graduated with a degree in English education. And I went into the educational field. And I kind of stuck there, both in... I was director of preschools. I worked for WGU. I... You puttered, were, puttered around for about 20 years. You were employed? Yes. By You You had people who said, yeah, okay, well, you're hired and we'll pay you this amount yes. to do what and you I do. I did corporate training. Mm-hmm. I did all sorts of things. Um, and about five years ago, um, my daughter um, was still very young and I was at home and I thought, well, what the heck? I'm not doing anything and I'm bored and I need to do something. So let's see if I can write. You weren't working at that point? I wasn't because my daughter was still Mm -hmm. very young and and she was still breastfeeding actually. Um, And it didn't make sense for us to work. We're one of those households where it costs me more to put two kids in childcare than it does for me to work because I already make so little in my industry. Mm -hmm. So I was at home and I started writing and I started trying to find jobs and it was tough. Just trying to find places that would pay you for what you were writing. Yeah. I would go onto platforms like Upwork and it was like a race to the bottom because you're getting outbid by someone in China who's going to write for five cents a word. Mm -hmm. And I tried to build my resume. Eventually, I got noticed by a marketing company. I went and worked for them and then I became a writer. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just... It just happened. I just kept at it until I built a portfolio, and then I was able to retire from that position and go home and start my own business mm-hmm. and build it slowly. Um, so, uh, and then and then there's another aspect of what you do. Yes. Uh, and this and and it's almost at odds, I think, with <laughs> with that image, in a way. Would you Maybe. Would, would you think, you know it's so so you are I when I first thought of you and and kind of tried to pigeonhole you if it were it says okay so here's a, a a writer a critical thinker of politics and culture and uh really you know a serious mm-hmm. and then i say wait wait there's this what's it called uh one a sweet little life a sweet little life yeah website I, I, don't know, huh, I wonder what that is <laughs> click on it and it's it's a nice very nice uh, very lovely photography and uh recipes and <laughs> and li- and home styling and living and <laughs> yeah. and it is kind of different than, yeah. than that uh, yeah. that image. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so tell me about A Sweet Little Life. Um, it's sort of a side passion. I love food. Did um, it come second to what you're doing now? Or? It actually happened at right about the same time. Okay. And originally, I think I sort of started tripping down the path of the mom, the traditional mommy blogger, right? Mm. Um, I had some pieces run on Scary Mommy that were pretty popular. Um, and I thought, all right, well, I need a website, and I'm really into food, and maybe I can teach myself food photography. So I did that. I took a course or two, and I taught myself how to shoot food, and it took a while and a lot of practice. It's um, good. It's, they're very nice, too. I mean, it, And that's, you know, if you saw my first ones, you would not say that. <laughs> but eventually they got better. Uh, and it just sort of grew organically from that interest. I love specifically desserts. So the blog is tailored towards craft cocktails and desserts. Mm-hmm. Um, I develop my own recipes. All the photography is mine. It's slowed down a little bit because I'm really busy in other areas of my life, but I still try to do something at least 
every season mm-hmm. on the blog. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's a nice website. Uh, it looks good, and there's some uh, interesting stuff on it. And it'd be I think it would be interesting if you like had an employee, sort of, that, <laughs> you know, because it's a good. It's worth keeping that and developing that. I think I've had actually someone recently approach me, um, and I'm going to ghostwrite and photograph their cookbook. But he said to me because he runs his own marketing firm, and he said, "I looked at your website. Why do you not have your own cookbook?" And I said, "Well, mm-hmm. uh, so maybe that's next." Yeah, it's a, I mean that's a lot of work. <laughs> it is. So let's okay. So we and now I have a kind of an, a, 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 an idea. I think of who you are a little bit or what you do. <laughs> Can I ask you a personal question? Sure. Can I ask you about your tattoos? Yeah. You you uh, be and I and I don't think there's anything wrong about asking about them because you display them quite prominently. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, every time I've been around you. They, they've not been covered up there. Right. So, yeah. so can you talk about it a little bit? Um, I think I feel, um, I don't know. I, I feel like I don't even think about them anymore. They're just part sure. of who I am. And I, but I will notice if I go outside of Salt Lake City and travel someplace else or travel to Florida and people stare at me and I'm like, why? Oh, it just takes me a minute for yeah. it to click. Oh, they're looking at the tattoos. Because in Salt Lake City, actually, everyone has tattoos. It seems like it. Yeah. I think it's a counterculture thing where you have a culture that is specifically pretty religious, pretty conservative in the state. And so you naturally get a response to that, which is the opposite, which is very liberal, um, you know, bucking those norms. And I think that's probably why we have. Do you know, I think ta- I think Salt Lake City has more tattoo shops per square foot it's, than any other city in America. It's cha- check cashing places and tattoo partners. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Right. it. Really is, yeah. uh, and uh, and uh, there uh, there it's a really. Do you design them yourself? I would take it. So what I did, this is um, all Matt Miskell from Yellow Rose. What I did was I went to Matt and I said, I want sleeves. I've wanted sleeves forever. I love the way they look. I know I'm kind of older, but. <laughs> I just, I want sleeves. And he said, well, what are you thinking? And I said, I kind of love the freehand stuff when people draw henna, um, in henna on um, Mm -hmm. farmer's markets and stuff. I said, I love the way that looks. Can you do that? And he's like, well, we can. And I said, and then I want a bunch of words. And he's like, okay, (laughs) sort of different aesthetics. And and he helped me nail it down. And we worked on kind of a piece at a time. So it took me about a year to do both arms. Mm Um, is, go, it, is it a completed work? Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of square footage, maybe somewhere where I could cram something in. But mm-hmm. um, we sort of designed these to uh, reflect each other. There's balance to the design and the way that they're spaced. So I don't know that I would add anything to it at this point. Do you ever get people saying, "Can I? do you mind if I read your arms? I have people who come up to me and don't say anything, but grab my and arms start re- and start yelling, <laughs> oh, come here. Come look at this. Did you see her arms? To people across the room. Yeah. And it's a little awkward. It's pretty distinct. <laughs> I mean, as tattoos, you know, go, you know, when you're talking sleeves, people are probably, I would picture sort of a lot of color and really filled in and stuff. Yeah. This is, there are sleeves, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I wouldn't say white space, flesh space. Yes. Uh, amongst the, you know, the, to separate things, but it is, it's unique. It's very unique. They're only black and white and um, they're, there are a few quotes from some of my favorite books and my favorite authors, um, but the rest of it is very sort of Eastern um, yeah. Indian mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. aesthetic. Yeah. 
Okay, let's talk about uh, social issues now. Okay. We've got some of that stuff out of the way. Let's talk about, um, I don't know, you know, what's on our, what's fresh on our minds, of course, is the... <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the shooting in, uh, in uh, El Paso and... Um, uh, and in Ohio, yeah. I was going to say Akron. You know, I was going to do the don't, same. Th- don't pull a Trump or, or a Biden okay. who, who got two two of them wrong. He said Houston, and what did he say? And then Michigan. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Houston and Michigan. So Biden is, <laughs> and and being on the Van Oker group, you know my feelings about Joe Biden. Yes, he'll he'll do something to screw this up. Uh, but uh, we can talk about that. I do you want to talk about that? We can. If okay, you want to. Well, just share your your thoughts on all of that. I I think that at this point if you're not absolutely furious I don't I don't understand where you're at mm-hmm. with this there there is no other I, I, there is no other way to feel about this anymore I, there, there's sorrow certainly and there's grief but I'm just angry now mm-hmm. I'm angry that I live in a country where I cannot send my kids to school without worrying about them being shot but I also live in a country where I can't take them to the grocery store and, and worry, worry about, about getting yeah. shot anywhere. Or They're, stand in line for a movie. Or And it doesn't matter if it's a city. It doesn't matter if it's a suburb. It doesn't matter if it's a rural town. This is a problem everywhere in America. And there have been plenty of studies and research, and the results are very conclusive. So it's video games. <laughs> Yeah, sure. No? <laughs> it's guns. I mean, more guns equals more gun violence. It's a really simple equation. And it's something we can prevent. It's something we can do something about. And it's so frustrating to sit here and watch people die and feel powerless. We could even do something about it without banning all guns. Right, and no one is even arguing about banning all guns. That's not even what um, people are people are, are really interested in doing at this point. I think most folks in America would be satisfied with the typical things. Background checks, we need to ban assault weapons, we let that ban expire, we need to ban assault weapons, and we need to close loopholes for private sales and gun shows. This, this guy that I was mentioning, uh, he said uh, on his... He said, we're not going to get over any of this until we realize that it's not, it's, Donald Trump isn't the problem. No. Uh, we we got to get over, what we need to remember is that we're, this, we, we, this has always been us. This is the dark side of us, and it has always been us, but we refuse to admit it. We refuse to admit that there is this dark side to us uh, and that there is racism. We, we say, no, we're a golden, shining city on a hill. We're the, we're the best country in the world, but we're not. Yeah. We are not. And, and we, so we heap, heap it on Trump's shoulders. He's just the, 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 the manifestation of it. Sure. Yeah. And, and the, we have to realize that, that, that it's, it's woven throughout society, this, this racism, this violence. Sure. Um, and I just thought that was a, a very telling. Maybe when we start admitting that to ourselves, then we will say, and because we are this way, we need to take these measures to yeah. deal with it. Yeah. And Trump's really just a symbol. If he goes away, you still have the 25% of Americans who voted for him and who supported him no matter what. Yeah. No matter what he said. Yeah. Supported him through very fine people. Supported him mm-hmm. through all of this. <laughs> Those people don't just disappear when Trump does. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask you about um, 
I've been wanting to ask you about it, and it just never has come up. Uh, you you associate, I know, with the Me Too movement pretty strongly. It's mm-hmm. part of your uh, profile. And, yeah. Uh, um, and I've been th- ask, wanting to ask you about Al Franken because he, <laughs> because he was in the you know the new the story about him in the New Yorker. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I was reading that uh, and. And then I started listening. You know, he started doing a podcast since since uh, he was ousted from the Senate. Sure. I think it took him a while to get there. Apparently, he was very depressed and who could blame uh, him? Yeah, right? very depressed and just out of it for a while. But I listen now. I've been listening to his podcast for about ten episodes of it, in which he doesn't talk about any of that stuff really. He talks about other issues, and and he's still Al Franken. Uh, he's a really smart guy and a really entertaining guy. But uh, what about the whole that whole thing? What happened there in your Estimation. I mean, I think <laughs> I think anyone who knows Al Franken's previous history before he came to the Senate is not super surprised to find some raunchy things in his background, right? I mean, he's always been pretty above board about mm-hmm. that sort of thing, um, and and certainly we live in a moment in our history where those sorts of things are definitely under the spotlight. So. I, I mean, it was Al Franken railroaded to a certain extent? Probably. Um, the moment was a bad one, and he got caught in it. Yeah. And, and he had um, things in his past that could have been used against him as ammunition, right? Mm-hmm. But there are lots of other politicians who I'm sure the GOP would love to railroad, but they don't have that ammunition in their past. And so I think... We need to be careful, obviously, moving forward, learn lessons from what happened to Al, um, which is really unfortunate, and um, try to make sure that moving forward when we use the Me Too movement to shape um, calling people to account, that we do it with a very clear idea of what we're accusing folks of. I I think it's uh, interesting that it's made us all at least it's made when I say us all I'm, I guess I mean men uh, kind of even more aware of I mean I try to think of myself I think of myself as you know uh, a feminist I suppose or a uh, someone who certainly believes that women are, are sure. in a, 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 every way intellectually equal to men and, and, and you know the, uh, and should be afforded the same opportunities as men um I am a man, and and there are things within me that are probably I don't want to say sexist, but sure. But just you know, there are things within me that are sexist. There's a maleness and a femaleness, and right, we are products of this society, and we live in a patriarchal society, and yeah. you participate in that system, whether you like it or not. I really grew up in it strongly. Grew yeah, up in it. absolutely. Yeah. And and we have to we have to acknowledge that. That, that's just part of who we are. But to the extent with which we can be transparent about what we struggle with and try to learn lessons from those things and, and do it with honesty and, between you know both men and women and mm-hmm. just try to move forward and make progress, that's how it's going to be helpful. I've told the story before, but uh, it, it this is many years ago. It really came home to me. There was, I was working with a woman that I really liked. I mean, I thought she was just great and smart and beautiful and I came into work one day and she was bending over and I tapped her on the butt because we were friendly we were very friendly sure and she stood up and turned around looked at me and said I love you but if you ever 
Yep. And I just went, what? <laughs> you know, oh, I, I didn't know I was, you know, uh-huh. I, yeah. to me it was a, you know, it was a, 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 a harmless, affectionate thing. Sure. But just, if you ever do that again, I won't talk to you. And that's that difference in perceptions, right? We, we've seen a lot of accounts where women have said, this felt exploitive to me. This felt scary to me. And the guy goes, oh, what? I didn't, huh? And he's having a completely different experience. Yeah. And so if anything comes out of all of this, I hope it's that men understand that sometimes they need to just be more aware of how their actions could be perceived by others. Not because they're in any danger or they don't want to be falsely accused, but because they should be genuinely concerned about how women are feeling and what they think in those yeah. situations and whether they're making someone afraid. And, and sometimes, and I would say this as a man, you may not, still not see it. And you may, sure. you may even still say to yourself, I don't, I just don't get get it. I don't know what I did. But you still have to say, however, the, the perception is there and I'm sorry. Yeah. And that's all. I think that's, you know, who really kind of dealt with this recently. And I don't know if he was altogether successful, but Aziz Ansari. Yep. I yep. was, did you watch his? Mm-hmm. I yep. was pretty, pretty, uh, I was pretty impressed that he decided to come 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 out and do us do a stand up uh, do a routine about it and about uh, he did it about other things he but he spent a long time kind of addressing the whole thing and yeah. and I'm not sure he was completely successful but but I think he he had he certainly demonstrated that he struggled with it and tried to come to some understanding of it and then I would also point out he looked like hell. Did you know? He was so skinny. I couldn't I couldn't oh, believe it. Yeah. He'd lost a lot of weight. But um, it's um, I, I I really love talking like this. I, you know, we should do this more often because I think <laughs> I think it um, it's it at least for me it's kind of uh, it makes me it it's sort of healing. You know, it, yeah. you think oh there you know we can uh, make these things okay. We can we can deal with each other and um, and I, I just really enjoy it and I, we should talk more like this you we and absolutely I should thank yeah. you for thank you for suggesting it um, what's what uh, we've just got a couple minutes left here what's what's next for Kazway do you know um, well and what kind of a name is Kaz Waita you know what it's a nickname um, Kaz my, I thought was probably yeah. yeah my real name is not that um, <laughs> but I've gone by it since college it's something my grandfather used to call me when I was little because he said I was like the Tasmanian devil. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Weta is... Uh, My married name. Uh-huh. Married name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just got a... When people say, it's Kaz Weta, you go, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> what is a Kaz Weta? <laughs> it's some sort of German product. Yeah. What is it? A, is it a timepiece? <laughs> I've got a brand new Kaz Weta. It's a, it's a wonderful watch. Um, uh, so what's next for you? What are you... You know, I'm busy writing, as always. Yes, I'm ghostwriting a cookbook right now, and um, I'm actually sort of trying to dig my way out of some health things, and hopefully I'll get that squared away. But then I think I'm really just going to focus on... 
figuring out what's next. I think sometimes we don't pause and sit and think. We just wait until things come to us and say yes to them. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm sort of getting towards the intersection of needing to sit down and say, what do I want? I can do anything I want to do. I think I've proved that to myself. So now I need to sit down and say, what do you really want to do, Kez? You seem very confident, are you? I am. And I've always been that way. Um, I think it's my mom just, I don't know. That's just the sort of woman that she is. Mm -hmm. There wasn't anything that she couldn't do. Therefore, there wasn't anything that I couldn't do. Uh, She was a single mom, and Mm. I was raised um, by her, and she didn't remarry until I was like eight. Is she around? Oh, yeah. She's around in Utah? No. No. She she, um, actually just retired. She was one of um, the head managers of the TSA, and she just retired Mm. two months ago. Well past retirement age. She just wouldn't stop working. Mm -hmm. So... Mm. That's my mom. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, uh, give people your, uh, uh, how they can find you. You know, okay. if you if you listen to this and you think, hey, this is an interesting person, follow her on Twitter at? It's Kaz Wida, So it's K-A-Z-W-E-I-D-A. Wida. I've been saying Wida, right? It's yeah, it's like Y. Wida. And then duh. Wida. Yeah. Kaz Wida. I don't mind if you mispronounce it. Okay. I don't it, know if I'll keep it forever. It's an, <laughs> <laughs> Jones, Kaz I'm just going to drop it and just become Kaz. Kaz. Sure. Why not? Right? Yeah. So, uh, again, it's, uh, and then your website is? A Sweet Little Life. A Sweet Little Life. You'll you'll like that. Uh, And then if you go to just Rant Media, just, it's an online publication. Yeah, I think it's rant.com. R-A-N-T-T.com. Yeah, it is. And then uh, if you, there's a search engine there. I mean, they have good writers, but Mm -hmm. if you search Kaz's name, or just, if you just put in K-A-Z, as I recall. Yes. Your, your stuff will come up. It does. And I write a lot about um, women's issues. Me too. Um, I've written though kind of about everything. Healthcare, Trump, mm-hmm. all of that. So. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks right. for having me. You're, you're welcome. Uh, that's it. Uh, the Let's Go Eat Show. Uh, I'm Bill Allred. Thank you to The Daily for hosting us here. 222 South Main. If you're looking for a nice uh, early breakfast or lunch uh, and then brunch on Saturdays and Sunday, The Daily is a great place to be. Very comfortable, very relaxed, and it's in the Goldman Sachs building, so don't let that keep you away. No, they're fine. The Goldens, they're fine. Uh, and uh, also thank you, Dick Clark, for producing the show. Uh, I think that about covers it. I'm Bill Allred, and uh, that's the Let's Go Eat show. Remember, if you're pouring drinks, always make mine a double.